Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Williams. This is the progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. Remember, you can also send me a tweet to E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is, at Egberto Williams. Let us engage. It is politics done right. One, two, three, four. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Williams, your host. Thank you so kindly for spending this time with me. We're going to have a great show today. We're going to have a great blog of the week today. We're going to be talking about Obamacare, Republicans, lies, and why it is time now that they are punished, that we punish them for what they've done over the years. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to have a great show. Remember, please, that this is a call-in show. You can give us a call at 646-929-2495. Again, that number is 646-929-2495. What a week this has been. This has been a great week for all those who like turmoil. This has been a great week, week for those who believe that the Trump presidency should be, that the Trump presidency must be in trouble. Because you know what, folks? The presidency is in trouble, and it's a good thing. Why? Not because we're vindictive, but because we don't want to have an illegitimate president. And like I've mentioned several times before, we have elected a democratically illegitimate president based on much. But that said, what we want to do is we want to hold our fire on that which actually affects Americans, many, many Americans, that is healthcare. Now, we all know that we won the battle, and notice I didn't say war. We won the battle over the last few weeks when we uh, were able to stop, when we were able to stop Republicans from getting Trump care enacted. Why do I say we were, in as much as a lot of people are given much of the credit to the, uh, to the um, Freedom Caucus. The Freedom Caucus isn't, there were enough people in the Freedom Caucus to peel off to actually get a bill through. But what we did, what we did, what the grassroots did is they fought. Good morning, Sarah Benchley. They fought. They fought and they put the fear of, of Republicans in moderate seats losing their seats. So they were not going to come along allowing the, the uh, Trump care to become even more draconian than it was. It's interesting. We went and we, uh, we protested against uh, uh, Ted Poe, my particular congressperson, yesterday. Uh, he was at a chamber of commerce meeting. He cannot have a town hall with his people, but he can always find a time to meet with the chamber of commerce. So we decided to take the town hall to whom? Ted Poe. Of course, he didn't come out and say hi or whatever to his constituency. So we just burned up in the heat yesterday as we, we approached, as we went to the location where he was. What is interesting is Ted Poe left the Freedom Caucus. My congressman, Texas 02, Ted Poe left the Freedom Caucus. 
A lot of people are saying, oh, wow, that is great. To which I said, I don't know if that's true. You left the Freedom Caucus because they did not vote for a draconian bill. Um, what gives? Did you really want to effect? Hi, Marianne, uh, Rich uh, Castiglia, and Carol Shoemaker Hayden, welcome aboard. You mean we are going to give him some sort of a kudos? Ken James, welcome aboard. We are going to give him some kudos because he decided not to vote for some draconian bill um, because he was mad that these people didn't vote for a draconian bill. Oh, no, no kudos. This is time now for punishment. This is time now for saying the American people must be saying never again, never again must we have politicians who decide, politicians who decide that we rather lie to you for ideological reasons. We rather lie to you because what we really want to do is what we want to do is extract all the monies possible from Americans' health care so that we can write a new tax plan that provides a whole lot of benefits to a whole lot of few, to rather, to a very few amount of folks, people with unearned income, people who have made Cadet St. Louis, welcome aboard. We don't want to reward people who will just sit on their butts, sit on their butts, earning wage, I mean, earning uh, capital gains, earning dividends without doing a day's work and claiming, oh, they are risking their capital. They're risking nothing. You're risking your life when you go to work. The guy who builds the bridge, he's risking his life. What is that worth? The nurse who goes to work every day and confronts diseases she may not know people have, who is risking anything? The doctors that put themselves at risk yet have to be indulging the indulging that which the shareholders of these hospitals are dictating without risking their lives. I'm sorry. Americans, it is time to learn who we should be rewarding in this country. And you know what? It is not the shareholder. You know what? It is not the owners of capital. You know what? the everyday person that keeps us going. It's the everyday person that goes to the grocery store and keep those companies afloat by buying. It is the everyday customer that pumps gas into their car. It is the everyday customer that goes out there and sweep the floors in that hospital, that sweep the floors in that restaurant. It is that everyday engineer that build the bridges that keep us afloat. And those are all the people that are hurt by whom? Republican policies. It behooves me. It behooves me. I'm an engineer by training. It behooves me that engineers, many engineers, people should know. When, when degreed engineers, I, I took four years to get an, a, a degree knowing, knowing what it took, knowing math, knowing methodology, to believe, hello, Denise, to believe that somehow we would deny teachers, we would deny engineers, 
we would deny opportunities to all these people because, well, we need to give a tax break to the job creators. I am sorry, the job creators, that's you. But anyhow, what are we going to talk about today? Anyhow, look, folks, the title of the show today is, it is punishment time for Republicans who lied about Obamacare. For my Republican friends, I'm not talking about you. I said it's for those who lied, for those who lied to the American people and to those who lied to their constituents. My Republican friends, uh, many of you have not been willing to accept it yet, but you were lied to. You were lied to, yes, and um, you were misled. And one of the things that we are going to do, those of us in the progressive arena, we're going to make your representatives who lie to the American people, who've caused the death of many American people, what I, what I prefer calling it is who have murdered many of their citizens, every single Republican in the Texas legislature who vote to not accept the Medicaid expansion to Obamacare, they are assassins. They are murderers because there are thousands of Texans. There are thousands of Texans who died because they didn't have, they didn't have the services that they would have had if the Texas legislature had taken the Medicaid expansion to Obamacare, which, by the way, for the first three years would have cost the Texas citizens zero, zero. And going forward, 10% of the Medicaid costs. So therefore, it would have been a bargain. But let's go further. For those who claim to be fiscally responsible, it would have been an influx of dollars into our economies throughout this country, including rural areas where hospitals are closing. So by not accepting the Medicaid expansion to Obamacare for ideological reasons, our Republican representatives who voted that way not only killed, not only murdered, not only assassinated Texans. They didn't only do that. that is, that's bad enough. They killed Texans. But they also made the economy a lot less fervent, a lot less active than it would have been had that money that, by the way, Texans have all paid into the federal coffers, had that money come back into our state, our economy would be much better. Our schools, monies that we're now diverting to, to take to, to out of our schools, money that we're now diverting out of our freeways because of stifled health care, we would have had more monies in our budgets. We would not have had to touch rainy day funds or any of that. Americans, Texans, and this is only Texans. It's our Kansans and all the other red states that didn't take Obamacare. Make your representatives pay the price. They must pay the price for misleading their citizens. They must pay their pri the price for being renegades. They must pay the price for being evil. They must pay the price. When somebody is ride driving a car intoxicated, 
and hit somebody, they go to jail even though their intent was not to kill. I am not saying Republicans' intent in this in this state or all the states that committed this crime were to kill, but their policies kill. And for that, they must be punished. Anyhow, folks, um, Republicans have been lying about Obamacare before and since its inception, its inception. They have done a disservice to their constituents and to every single American citizen at large. For that, they must be punished. It is ironic that all the evils they attributed, all the evils they attributed to Obamacare or what the Ryan plan, Trump care, exhibited. Think about that. Throw your grandmother out the door. That is uh, under the, throw your grandmother under the bus. Trump care did it. And they did it in style. How did they do it? Well, they said, hmm, who do insurance want to insure? Young people? Great. We'll, we'll, we'll take away that, that mandate and we allow the insurance company to sell those dumb little young kids whatever kind of policy to give them the semblance of insurance. But at the same time, we're going to allow those insurance companies to charge five times as much as the younger folk for insurance. This, this is Trump care. This is in the bill. And by the way, what else do we do? Oh, that guy who used to pay $1,700 for his policy, oh, my God, he's going to now pay north of $12,000 for his policy, actually much more than $12,000 for his policy. Oh, but who are those old people again? That's your grandmother. That is your grandmother. And what is he saying about your grandmother? They've done throwing your grandmother under the bus. Trump care. It wasn't Obamacare who threw them under the bus. Trump care. Next item, women. Oh, my God. You remember there was a time uh, when women paid more for insurance than men did? Oh, yes, they did. Why? Because, oh, my God, women could get pregnant. And women have all these issues that men don't have, right? So why should men have to pay for that? Oh, my God, women are the ones who have the damn men's kids. The family's kids. So yes, it's a cost that all of us should bear. Not because, on, in fact, if you want to be blunt, we should probably bear the cost of insurance plus more because given that we don't have to carry the, the baby, given that we, have to walk the, uh, we don't have to walk with swollen feet, given that we don't have to get the hemorrhoids they're going to get, given that we don't have all those things that women are going to go through because they get pregnant, just maybe it isn't women who should be paying more in insurance rates for being a woman, maybe it should be men for having the, having the biological right not to have kids and go through the cabin kids process. You see how they think? They think, oh, somehow it's the woman who gets pregnant, so maybe she should pay for it. Look, the draconian nature of the conservative philosophy the conservative nature of the, of the Republican philosophy, folks, has an intrinsic evil, an intrinsic evil that must be extricated. And, and, and let what happens many times, and this is what I talk about to my Republican friends, they don't go, they don't take it to the second degree. They don't look through several levels of indirection. If you just look at the top line, well, women get pregnant and insurance is a product. If women get pregnant and insurance is a product, then maybe as a product, 
that product should cost more because men don't get pregnant. Well, you know, women don't get prostate cancer either, right? So, I mean, women don't get some of the diseases men get. Oh, but by the way, women get breast cancer. Guess what? Men get breast cancer too. So we have, we have to stop the, 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 the fallacies out there. But not only that, we have to teach Americans how to think deeper. If we don't start thinking, when, when you have shallow thinking, when we have Trumpian thinking, because Trump has made being dumb vogue, he has made not having to think too hard vogue. I know you learned, you heard about the latest thing here. As you know, several hundred miles of our border is the Rio Grande, right? So this man wants to big this, this long 3,000 mile wall that's going to just go from, the, the, that goes from the Gulf of Mexico all the way to the Pacific Ocean to, to stop those Mexicans from coming over here. But oh my God, a part of our border is El Rio Grande. The Rio Grande is a part of the border. So what you going to do? Build a wall on our land side of the Rio Grande, right? And all those people that go to the Rio Grande to do their thing and picnic or whatever, you have this big wall, a wall that's not needed because Trump says so. And those people out there in Ohio and North Dakota and these places, they haven't got a clue of the topography of Texas, of the topography of New Mexico. They don't know. So, oh, it sounds good. We're going to put a wall to stop these people from coming over here. Folks, one of the problems over several decades is that progressives look at the thought process of the right wing. And we just look at it as being simply, oh, that is so crazy. Who's going to believe that? The country has been dumbed down. It's a, I hate to say it that way, but we're a pretty dumb country right now. When I came to the States from Panama and folks, oh, where are you from? I'm from Panama. Oh, how do you like Florida? I have an accent that is foreign. I'm from Panama, but somehow I'm from Florida. There's so much that we have to do, progressives in general. We have taken the brunt of the fallacies. We've taken the brunt of a lot of... Uh, information and only that we've been we've given these folks a pass we've allowed these folks to somehow have a semblance of being we need to encourage them what i have always said is i want to reach the trump voter but i'm not going to reach the trump voter by dumbing down i'm going to reach a trump voter by meeting the trump voter where he or she is and bringing them up I am not going to bring me down, bring you down to get there. And that is what we should all remember going forward. That is what we must remember. But anyhow, it's time. And I know you guys know what time it is. It's time for the weekly blog post. I kind of told you what the blog post was, uh, the week of the blog post was about. But here's the deal. I didn't have to write a blog post this morning because I was supposed to do this, this blog of the week on KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. But I had a call in to a person from Michigan 
who actually sued Donald Trump, and in doing so, got her case all the way up to the Supreme Court. So didn't quite have the time for this blog post, so I decided to do it on our Saturday show here on Facebook Live, here on Blog Talk Radio. Here it goes. Most progressives know much of what Republicans have been saying during the development of health care reform and after Congress passed the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, were lies. We knew they were lies. The GOP came up with their replacement plan, and it turns out all the lies they told about Obamacare became the reality of what were proposing. And the cruelty, the cruelty of their ideology was on display for all to see, so much so that Trump care sank to 17% approval rating. As Joanne Reed said, and I love Joanne Reed, she, she, she can cut to the chase rather quickly. John, I'm coming to you in a minute after the blog of the week. As Joanne Reed said, Republicans have spent the last 30, 40 years trying to replace this image of callousness towards the poor, callousness toward the elderly, with this idea of compassionate conservatism. That was whisked away over the, this process. There was a cruelty. There was a cruelty to this bill that was even apparent to conservative voters, to Republican voters, who were shocked. They were shocked at that cruelty. They were shocked how evil a bill, how evil a bill Ryan could come up with. And to think that the Freedom Caucus wanted it to be even more evil. Amazing. Obamacare brought Americans one step closer to having health care as a right. It meant we, the people, our government, finally wrote laws that were a bit more favorable to everyday citizens. Yes, we want a Medicare for all single-payer system, but we are willing to crawl before we walk and run. We are willing to crawl before we walk and run. It was good it was not good enough for Republicans that Obamacare was based on a more costly and less efficient conservative system that is a byproduct, or rather that is a product of the market-based insurance system. In other words, remember, Obamacare was a free market thing designed by the Heritage Foundation. He went with that because he figured he would have some support from uh, not only insurance companies, but from Republicans. He didn't. It was not good enough that the mandate was originally a conservative idea promoting personal responsibility. The reality is that Republicans never intended on having our government, we the people, provide affordable health care, and for that matter, health care. They lied to us, and they continue to lie, and we must punish these politicians for the effective murder they've inflicted on thousands of Americans caused by their lack of insurance-based premature deaths. Josh Barrow, Josh Barrow, a former Republican who left his party because of their inherent dishonesty, wrote a piece titled, Republicans Lied About Healthcare for Years and They Are About to Get the Punishment They Deserve. That everyone, everyone should read this. For years, and this is what he says, quote, for years, Republicans promised lower premiums, lower deductibles, lower co-payments, lower taxes, lower government expenditures, more choice, 
the restoration of the $700 billion that, that President Barack Obama heartlessly cut out of Medicare, uh, uh, out of Medicare because he hated old people, and of, in particular case of the Republicans who recently became president, insurance for everybody that is much less expensive and much better than what they have today. They were lying over and over and over again. Republicans lied to the American public about health care. It was impossible to do all the things they were promising together, and they knew it. They, then they unexpectedly won an election. They didn't expect to win. They unexpectedly won the election and had to face the question of whether they would break all of their promises or only some of them. But did not, and close quote, but it did not end there. Barrow points out that it is always easy for Republicans to lie about health care because they simply give it little thought. This is what he says. The difference on health care is that Republicans never had an ideology about it, so they were willing to lie. And there are two facts about the health care debate that a liar can exploit quite effectively until he is actually expected to make policy. People are always upset about how much health care costs and healthcare is very complicated, so it is hard for voters to tell whether a politician is actually able to keep his or her promises about it. I disagree with Barrow here when he says healthcare is complicated. Healthcare is only complicated because we've set in structures that make it complicated so that other people can profit over the chaos. If we had a single-payer system, if we paid for doctors to go to school, if we did a lot of these things, there would be a lot of efficiencies within the healthcare system, and more so than efficiencies, what you'd find happening is that you will find that people get better care. This is not conjecture. Go to any country who has single-payer system, and you find that that is the reality they're living within that country. So this isn't an experiment like, uh, like the that Republicans are trying to do with Trump here or anything like that. This is fact. Anyway, Barrow ends the piece with a few words that encapsulated the fraud perpetrated by Republicans on their constituents, and it goes as follows. Through the years, healthcare experts on the right have allowed themselves to be just as, as, as window dressing for a party that was never actually interested in taking their policy advice. The experts would write white papers about conservative approaches to healthcare. Republican politicians would indignantly wave the white papers around and insist that they had not only one plan for healthcare, but many plans. And they involved high-risk pools that never worked. And selling insurance across state lines makes no sense because, you know, that's not going to cut the, cut the price. And something, something patient-centered, mumble, 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 and what, whatever was in the paper was going to be way better than Obamacare. Yeah, everything is better than Obamacare, right? Ryan even developed an undeserved reputation as a healthcare wonk, but those white papers were always just paper. The plans described in them were never going to be implemented by an actual Republican government, which would not be interested in paying for the plans the paper described. The only thing Republicans ever intended to use them for was indignant waving. It was all a lie. This is an ex-Republican talking. And the lie is finally about to be punished. Close quote. So folks, Trump Care, aka Paul Ryan's Affordable Health Care Act, was one of the evilest pieces of legislation 
ever written in my humble opinion. How do you look into the eyes of your constituents, a large percentage of them who are on Obamacare, and tell them a plan for which billions were gutted could possibly be less expensive and more beneficial? It makes no sense. It lacks credulity. But we, they, they do it. They know that their people are willing to accept their lies. They know that their people are, are yearning to hear something other than what came from that man with the funny name. They have no problem lying to their people. None. Evil. Evil. Obamacare is no longer underwater in the polls, but it does have systemic problems inherent in the attempt to apply market principles to a system that the market cannot and must not control. Our attempt to make health insurance and healthcare a marketable product is not only evil and immoral, but unsustainable. That is why we increase health insurance faster than we increase inflation, than we increase anything else. It is evil. And we are reaping the results of that reality, that every politician knows deep on the inside. So, MSNBC Alivelle, she points out that no industrialized country has a market-based healthcare system. Moreover, they all have better outcomes and are much less expensive than the United States, and all of their citizens are covered. Our politicians know that and must be punished for not accepting that reality and legislating accordingly. The grassroots movements that are budding throughout the country intend, intend on doing just that, and you are a part of that, making sure enough of them are defeated to reclaim the Senate, the House, and many state houses. We will take the country back from the oligarchs. We will take the country back from the moneyed interest. We will once again make our government what we always say the government is supposed to be. We, the people, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a better union. So, folks, the telephone number is 646 929-2495. Again, that number is 646-929-2495. And I have with me my regular John. Come on in, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm good. Good afternoon, Egberto. Good afternoon, sir. Yeah, uh, excellent opening. Uh, You're absolutely right. It is good to see, you know, uh, now that we're, I guess, what, eight days, you know, after the after the event, right. and uh, you know, it, it does feel good. Uh, you know, we just we still need to keep our eyes open. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm not sure if you know that Tom Price had a uh, was before the House uh, on Wednesday, uh, ta- answering questions, and he, you know, was not very uh, not very uh, open about what he was going to do, uh, when Democrats ask him, you know, what, how, what he was going to do, you know, when we were talking about this last week, uh, how they could, uh, sabotage, sabotage, yeah, how they could do that. Uh, and so he was very, you know, coy about the whole thing. And so I guess we'll just have to see and keep putting pressure on him. Uh, and so I guess we'll, we'll go from there, but, uh, you know, one thing that they do know is that you know if that happens, there will be an outcry, and oh, yes. 
And so, uh, you know, I think they're feeling the heat right now. And I think we see that, like, in the Ossoff race and, and in the uh, Quist race in Montana. And mm-hmm. uh, also, you know, they had a uh, – yesterday they had a Marist poll uh, uh, funded through McClatchy uh, newspapers and that had a, uh, a congressional head-to-head, and Democrats were up by nine points, mm-hmm. which a lot of people say will make it very close You know, if this continues towards uh, Democrats taking the House in 2018. So, I mean, those are those are pretty good numbers after seeing some, uh, you know, five point leads and eight point leads and three point leads uh, on PPP polling is good to see a nice nine point lead. I'd like to see it in double digits. And, of course, we still have a long time. But uh, but, you know, it's just good to know that that people are enthusiastic and, you know, that that uh, I mean, of course, a lot of people in the mainstream press you know, blame the Freedom Caucus, and obviously Trump is is blaming the right. Freedom Caucus. Um, I mean, there's no doubt that they had a big impact. But I mean, even let's 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 just give a, a hypothetical. If the Freedom Caucus would have would have given in, you know, uh, and I talked about this with Sam Cedar. You know, I mean, sometimes you, you don't want to you know uh, wish for something. Uh, you know, take it too far, like you know, right. saying like Trump. I, I want Trump to to win because he'll he'll easily lose the election. There's no way he can lose the election. Right. Well, he actually did win the election, but I mean, you know, my point is is that if they would have if they would have actually passed the House, then the emphasis would have been on the more moderates because there are much much more moderates who didn't want it because it was gonna you know it, it didn't it hurt many people. And I think that 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 was what uh, you know the the realization that people were finding, and it's kind of a shame that they weren't able to understand that through you know the actual election process because that's actually what should be brought out during the election process. And I think that these guys live within an echo chamber, and they they are only surrounded and they only approach people who they believe think the way that they do. And there are many uh, Republicans, I mean, Republicans that shouldn't think the way that, that they do, that shouldn't believe the policies or support the policies of the Republican Party, but because it is mostly a culture they do. And that is the thing that I try to get out, get out. When, when I'm proselytizing my progressive, uh, progressiveness, I, my goal to my Republican folks that I'm talking to is always not to try to tell them to be to be to leave the Republican Party and become independent or join the Democratic Party, because I see that as a lost cause in the most part. We have a lot of people leaving the Republican Party and becoming independent right now, but I understand that to some people, party is a culture. They are Republicans. Some people, Democrats are their Democratic is their culture. You know, uh, Green is their culture. What I try to tell people is just vote your interest. Here are the, here's information, you know, vote your interest. Eventually, if you want to keep that name Republican, your party will come along to support what you want. And, 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 and if you get across that way and you take the pressure of them having to say they are no longer Republican, you take that pressure away, you can get things done. And that's how I think those of us that are fighting for all these issues, especially now that we're under total Republican control, 
has to approach the grassroots Republicans. I think we have to approach them, not trying to turn them into Democrats. I mean, you don't turn, you're not going to turn an Anglican person into a, into a Baptist or something like that, but you still coexist because you have, uh, you know, you both believe in something bigger. What we all believe in is in America. If we all believe in America, we can actually tell folks, just vote your interest. Eventually, your party will follow. But right now, they are following their party. And their party is lying to them, and that's why we must work on punishing them. Go ahead, John. Well, I think a lot of it is is cultural, also. Also, in in, main, in uh, southern states and in in uh, Midwest states, you know, there's so much uh, cultural identification, and you've had people right. write about that on your blog. You know, mm-hmm. in Iowa recently, I read an article uh, about that. Uh, and the, I, I do disagree with you slightly about uh, voting your interests because. You know, the, I think we ought to have uh, people vote their conscience because you know they're like I think uh, you know with uh, you know you and I I think we, we you know like my interests are actually you know I mean to to have have more tax cuts you know because I, right. that would ha- benefit me but I mean I don't do that because I want to see you know working class people and middle class people advance and so I mean, that's what? my main. Let me just tell you, though, and, and, and this is where I talk about talk, uh, thinking through different levels of indirection, right? I wholeheartedly understand what you're saying, that, yeah, your interest, uh, because you make quite a bit of money, your interest would be, hey, I want that tax cut because I don't want to be paying all these taxes that I have. But it is also your interest to keep an, a strong America and a functional America. So to do that requires those of us who make more money to put more in. So it is also our self-interest. I don't know if you read the blog post that, uh, that I wrote with uh, Hanor, uh, what is his name? I don't remember his first name, but his last name is Hanor, where he wrote, he gave a TED talk about the pitchforks. The pitchforks are coming. And that is what a whole lot of rich folks have to kind of realize, that the pitchforks, in fact, are coming. There's a hell of a lot more of the others than we have of the rich folks. And what they're doing right now, rich folks, when I say rich folks, I'm just talking to ruling class. What they're doing right now is by creating policies that strain, that put so much strain onto people where now parents have to have their kids living with them now because no one can really afford the, the, the ever-increasing prices of real estate, which has no reason for said increase. Uh, when we have all these things that force people to change their change their, their, their social behavior that eventually come to a, come, come ahead, come to a head, people eventually react in the same way, no matter whether you're the United States or what we like to call third world countries, because I am actually seeing within our country, within the United States, a lot of third world behavior. And it just proves every day that uh, humanity behave the same, whether you're an American, whether you're Russian, whether you're Panamanian, whether you're Jamaican, whether you're whatever. So that's what I meant when I, when I said that, John. So I don't think, you know, there, there's, a, there's a difference without a difference in what we're talking about. Go ahead. Right, right. But I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not that rich. So. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the, the point is, is that, you know, it's not just about, uh, having money it's about actually voting you know the the yeah. even more so than the education levels how much money you make determ will have a determination 
on mm-hmm. on you know the percentage of that you vote. I mean, the people who are the richest always have the highest percentage, and it goes down. And this is what you talk about also is about knowing your worth. In other words, right. you know, even though you you may not make a lot of money, you have that same vote that, that a millionaire and a billionaire has, and so you should use that vote. And I think that that unfortunately that's a lot of people you know, think that their vote doesn't count. And so, you know, what's one vote going to matter? And so, you know, that's something that we really, you know, and I think you have over the years uh, talked about this quite a bit. And also, uh, you know, uh, wealthy people also, you know, can give money and put out, you know, the propaganda. And obviously we see that through all the the Koch brothers and the Adelsons and the Mercers and all the other people who are – you know, abusing, in my opinion, and I think this is where we're talking about, uh, you know, p- uh, having, you know, taking out money in politics or at least limiting it to a certain uh, a certain amount, uh, a, you know, fairly small amount, in my opinion. And uh, and so then we have actually have more of, of the battle of ideas. Right now, you know, you, you people are being bombarded with all of these, uh, you know, Essentially, libertarian and you know people who think that that the free market is the best, and I mean you see it in healthcare, and essentially that's what, that's what you were talking about also right. with the Republicans. Everything to them is about the market, and you know the market is you know isn't as important obviously as people living or dying, and Absolutely. and so the market. And so the market, you know, it, it it's fine, you know, like, you know, like I'm a big patron of the arts, and it's fine, like, if you're buying a painting or if you're buying music or, you know, you're buying a book, that's that's fine to have that in a capitalist system. But, I mean, you know, when you're talking about health care, it's, it's something different, or are you talking about, you know, uh, having education that's obviously something different and so so you know we need to to understand that we want to live in a mixed uh, economy and uh and then we should try to strive for that and i think uh it's dangerous for us to and that is what that's why i say we have to really change the way americans think we cannot think that everything is a product and if you once you think that health insurance is a product that you can mix and match and that sort of thing. Once you treat health insurance like a product, then all the all the things that go along with products. In other words, if a prof, if, a, if a product is no longer profitable, you throw it away. If a product is uh, is defective uh, and and it costs more to fix the def- defect than to just uh, than to just throw it away, you throw it away. We have to remember there are certain things with humanity that shouldn't go into effect. Certain things shouldn't be a product. The same thing that they're trying to do with education, and I see one of my my uh, callers here, our, our Facebook folks, want us to do a show. In fact, on and yes, we'll do a show on on uh, on education and and testing in in Texas. But we we try to make everything a product. We try to make the testing of our kids in Texas schools and other schools a product, and we we, we try to make the schools themselves a product. Um, make create vouchers and have them compete, have these schools compete for the children, as if the children are just a commodity to be fed to the factory to produce a product that gives a profit to a few. And what we have to do as a society is sort of educate Americans into that thought process because they sell. What, What Republicans like to do is they like to sell it as freedom and choice. 
but the freedom and choice doesn't really go towards the individual. The freedom and choice goes towards the corporatocracy. That person who opens that, that school, that private school, has the choice of the children they will select. That private company has the choice of how they will teach, have the choice of how, what kind of teachers that hire. The choice doesn't go to the, to the person. <clears throat> the choice goes to the corporatocracy, and that is what we have to realize. When it talks about you need to have choice in healthcare, the choice goes again to the corporation. I want to sell you something that you will buy. I will make that healthcare as cheap as possible to get a bunch of people to buy it, but then it's a piece of healthcare that is worth nothing in order for you to buy it. It's, it's like when you go to the grocery store and you find certain products, they make it very cheaply because they know they'll sell a ton load of it. And people don't mind buying it because it was cheap. So even if it turned out not to be all that good, well, it was cheap, I throw it away. You can't do that with your health care. You can't do that with your education. When they talk about choice, even let's say we talk about education, for those private schools that fail, a generation or fail a class, you're saying you're, you're putting that class at risk for the rest of your life. Why not just fix the darn public schools and make it a part of the commons as it should be? Why not make healthcare a part of the commons that it should be supported by our tax dollars? Why should it be a product? There is absolutely no reason. And the thought process has to start from individual Americans. Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Anarchists, Greens, you have to start, again, like I always say, know your worth and know what you deserve and know what, that you are the ones that keep this country running and as such, your voice should be heard. I have a call, 832-368. Uh, uh, let's see. 832-368, uh, are, you, are, are you wanting to speak? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, this is Robert. Um, how you doing, I just Robert? want to call. And oh, you know, Robert, how you what, doing, my friend? I'm doing well, my friend. Doing well. Uh, I just wanted to, to to say that your point made about education and healthcare, they've already mm-hmm. done this in rural America with water. Yeah. The corporations poisoned all the groundwater. And then they yeah. went and created these rural water districts where they could clean the water and sell it to people that for hundreds of years had just been pulling their drinking water out of the ground. And now the corporatocracy owns all the drinking water. You know, so, it, it, so it, it, if you think they can't do that here, they can do that here. They're, they've done it with water, which we used to think was something we'd get for free or in the cities for very little. You know, Mark, Robert... So, that is such an important point that you just brought up here because let me tell you, in fact, don't T. Boone Pickens own all the water rights north of, uh, I think, north of Austin or something like that? Uh-huh. I did not know that. T. Boone's Pickens, I, I'm going to look it up again. I don't want to give misinformation there, so, uh, but I had read in, I think, the Texas Month, one magazine, I don't remember what magazine, that T. Boone Pickens was buying up a whole lot of water rights. And think about that. What does that really mean? Um, when uh, There was a report that came out last week. And, and folks, I don't like to give misinformation, so hold up on the T. Boone Pickens message that I, uh, statement that I just made there. I got to look it up to figure out exactly what T. Boone did. 
people who pick into it with water. But anyhow. Well, uh, just recently yeah. I saw a meme where the Nestle, the only guy that owns Nestle's, had, mm-hmm. had made a statement that people don't have a right to water. Well, that's what I mean, they it's, think. You know, it's very real. It's, they they want to commoditize everything. That's the point, and you that's know, what I told They want to figure out a way if I wanted product. to scratch my ear that they could get a piece of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, you know, and, and that is what, wait, wait a minute. As the air gets more and more polluted, watch what you're going to have. You're going to have companies now that are going to come out to clean up the air, and we are going to pay a tax to clean up the air. So all of us are going to, you know what, they talk about externalities, right? In other words, we pay a small amount of money for our gasoline. We burn the gasoline. It throws all of the pollutants into the air. And nobody pays for uh, the corporations who create it or who market the gasoline. They don't pay for the cancers that are created based on our burning of the gas. They don't pay for any of these externalities. Uh, they don't pay for the accidents that occur when MBD, uh, MBT, I think is what it's called, gets into the groundwater supply. They don't pay for any of that. Those are called externalities. So they make the gas cheap, and this is what they do with insurance, right? They make the product itself very cheap. Forget about all the problems that occurs around it, and then later on, some other corporation is going to come out to fix the problem created by some other, but every single time, it is we the people who pay. So therefore, we the people can never amass much because we're constantly sending our own income, our own wealth to a select few. John, you wanted to say something? Um, yeah, I mean that's a that's a good point. I was just looking up the the T Boone Pickens, and there there are several articles. My computer's running kind of slow this morning, but I mean, yeah, okay. there's several articles about that. Uh, you know, uh, some headlines are new new water barons at Wall Street mega banks are buying up, uh, you know, your public water system. And so, you know, this is this is just you know big money trying to exploit everything. And but you know, while uh, we argue while we argue about a whole lot of other things, all these things are happening behind our backs. Yes, it's happening, and there are some reporters reporting it, but it never gets any traction. And by the time it gets traction, they already own the legal rights to these particular things. It's, I found it amazing, John and, and, uh, and uh, Robert, that the number one beverage sold by corporations right now, guess what it is? Water. Water. Water is the number one beverage sold by corporations, something that we all thought was free. Who would ever thought a gallon of water would cost more than a gallon of gas? Makes no yeah, sense, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, one one thing though is that I do want to. I mean, that it's obviously bad, but I mean, also right. the, the one thing that is good about it though is that people are not drinking as much sodas as before. Right. They're a little yes. bit more health conscious, and so like you know, I mean, I I hate to buy water myself. I mean, but I mean, you know, there are certain times like you know you're thirsty and you have to, you know, you, you really need to drink something, and you you go to your corner store, and it's oh, like you know I don't want I don't want to buy a soda, so I'll buy water. But I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with you. I don't, uh, you know, normally, you know, you don't, you don't want to buy water. I mean, there's, I, I don't see any point. But there are also places like Flint, Michigan, you know, who, who, you know, who have their water poisoned, you know, right. and right. and so this is another part of, you know, 
how politicians who are bought off, and this is happening also like in in Indiana and in East Chicago. They're having people move. It was just the last couple of days. They're having to move out of their house because their water supply is completely contaminated. So, I mean, you know, this is – this is, you know, corrupt politicians who don't like in Flint, who don't care about people, and all they care about are profits, and they're, you know, they're exploiting people. And, you know, so that's another reason why we want to have good government and uh, push politicians who, who, are, who are actually going to help people. Uh, absolutely so. We, we, have to be, we, we have to be very cognizant of that. And what we have to do, folks, though, is, by the way, I always tell people, don't forget, you share these videos, you, you, like, the, you like the page that you're on, etc., because it's important. Uh, a lot of this stuff isn't really covered, uh, on, on there, or it's not given the appropriate time on the news channels. What I find ironic, both Robert and John, is the following. Cable channels have 24 hours of news that they're able to give. Do you ever wonder why you just see the same things on a loop? as opposed to the thousands of stories that could be covered. We just spoke about water. Think about if, if all these stations decided to, don't, to, 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 to use 15 minutes of every hour instead of putting, having to keep your loop if you want your loop for the most interesting stories. But suppose they took 15 minutes out of that, of that hour's time, which when you think, think commercials, et cetera, would be 12 minutes, and have three, four-minute segments of stories that never get covered but are of interest. Suppose you had four minutes on water. Suppose you had four minutes on electricity. Suppose you had four minutes on wind storage. Suppose you had four minutes on how we make uh, wind storage and solar, which is uh, one of the problems with these two technologies, is that they're only available when the sun is up or when the wind is blowing. How do we talk about storage technology that can put the excess away so that when the wind isn't blowing and when the sun isn't shining, we can still have power. There are so many subjects and so many intriguing things. I've, I watched a program on Netflix yesterday called Sustainability. It's a, a program, that, a, a, a documentary that came out, I think, last, late last year or something like that. There was so much to learn about agriculture that would have Americans make appropriate choices that could actually change the way we do agriculture here if enough people decided that they wanted to make that change. But we don't see that on the mainstream TV. We don't see that well, elsewhere. Go ahead. You know that the network news used to do that when the networks yeah. considered the news a loss leader in a right. public duty. And when they decided they could market the news, that's when that went away. And the reason they don't do it is cost. You have to right. pay reporters to do that. And they yeah. want to just have a talking head in the studio reading the pablum. And it is irritating when you're watching CNN and something big has happened, like a shooting or something, and the sheriff comes out and makes a statement. And then for the next six hours, you just see him rerun the loop of that sheriff's statement with nothing new. If you're right. to the point where you have to do that, then the story isn't important enough to be on your airwave. You ought to go hey. find something else to report. And, and, you know, what I find, that is lazy. I think some of that they do because they figure the medium is somebody watches TV for an hour, then they go. They come on and they may watch 15 minutes and they go. So, I mean, it's sort of the thing we do in radio, right? We're, um, a lot of times we have to repeat a, a lot of the stuff. But what I'm saying is I'm not, I'm not telling them not to put important stories on the loop so that people know of the important things that occur. But I'm saying, one, 
consider what is really important, number one. And number two, you can create a format that brings in a whole lot of stories. And the truth of the matter is, with the amount of freelancers out there right now, uh, they, could be, they could create very good partnership with independent bloggers, very good partnership with independent writers that are reputable. <clears throat> and the reason you do that is that would mitigate your costs. And at the same time, they would provide traffic for these other people. But you see, the thing is that they are not in it for themselves. For, for the people. Well, let's start, let's start our own cable news network and do just that. We are going to do that, my friend. That's in the works. That's in the works. Okay. Online, we just have to make sure that net neutrality doesn't kill it before we get it started. With net neutrality, is our concern now. But right now, we are going to have to close. So, Robert, well, give me a quick closer. Okay. Robert? Yeah, I got to go. Okay, you have a great day, my friend. Yep, okay, and... Uh, go ahead and give me a quick closer, John. All right, great show. Really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, go to umbertowillies dot com. Read some good stuff uh, on your website. Uh, just you know, glad you're you're keeping talking about the healthcare. I know most people kind of moved on to health away from healthcare, so it's good right. to see you're talking about it. Because I mean, I you know that's always been one of the top issues, you know, if not number one, definitely in the top five, and because it is life or death, and I think that people really have woken up to the fact that that Republicans really want to take things away from them, you know, that they have, and so doing a great job reporting it, uh, enjoying it, and uh, keep the good work up. Thank you so kindly for being here, my friend John, my friend John from San Antonio, and for all of my great friends on Facebook, thank you so kindly for being out here. Uh, please do remember to share these shows. Please do remember to like the page, encourage other people to like the page, because I tell you what, we are not going to, we have to do this on our own. And I say this every week, we have to do this on our own. And it's all about all of us together. It's all of us together that's going to make a difference. There's not somebody out there that's going to be the magic bullet for us. We are the ones. You know, I always love when Obama said we are the ones we were waiting for. More so than ever, a lot of people are realizing that we are the ones we have been waiting for. Because when we didn't step up in this last election, look at the travesty. Look at what, what happened. Look at what happened. So to my, my good friends on Facebook, Marianne, Emp Hopel, uh, Rachel Port, uh, Robert Mark, uh and all the rest, uh, Lou Haglock, Susan Adrian, Susan Morris, Tamara Opel, Samara Rafat. Uh, let's see. Thank you so kindly for spending this time with me. Again, please do remember, let's share this baby. Let's go ahead and like the page, and let's move this country forward. My name is Egberto Willies. This is Politics Done Right. We will be back on Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, this time on KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. If you're not in Houston, we, of course, will have it here as well on Facebook Live, and we'll have it as well streaming on kpft.org. Of course, you can always go to the podcast either on my Facebook page, uh, Politics Done Right, or you can go to politicsdoneright.com. Again, my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. Thank you so kindly for spending this time with me. 
Have a wonderful rest of the weekend. Bye-bye.